Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long-term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball. What's up, fellow fantasy managers? Welcome back to another episode of the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. My name is Jake Crumpler, and I'll be filling in for Bubba as the host on the weekend editions of the podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter and can find all of my work at CrumplerBaseball.com. Let's dive into everything baseball-related from Friday, March 31st, a day in which just a third of the league was in action. We saw just five games. We'll begin the episode by starting off with the injuries, news, and notes from around the league. Unfortunately, we'll have to start off with the injuries. Luis Urias, third baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers, was unfortunately placed on the 10-day IL with a hamstring injury, though we did get good news in return. Joey Weimer will make his Major League debut as he had his contract purchased. He is the number three Milwaukee Brewers prospect and the number 90 prospect in Major League Baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. He is an outfielder, and it looks like he should get an opportunity to play some right field as Brian Anderson shifts from the outfield to cover Luis Urias's open hole at third base. So that should be interesting. Weimer is a guy that has a lot of tools. He's a, he's a toolsy guy with power and speed. He has struggled to strikeouts a lot. There's a possibility he comes up and just strikes out 30% of the time, but his tools are very loud. He was the talk of the town at the 2021 AFL. So there's a possibility he comes up and really takes the league by storm because of how loud his tools are. Moving to the transactions from around the league, something that just occurred while this was being recorded, Padres extended Jake Cronenworth for seven years. The terms are not yet known, but the infielder will be around for a long time. The contract starts in 2024 and will take him through at least 2030. It'll be interesting to see him around for that long. The Padres just keep doling out money. That'll be really exciting to see Cronenworth hitting bombs into the Crone zone for a long time in San Diego. In other news, the Giants signed Gary Sanchez to a minor league deal. That's really interesting because the catching situation in San Francisco is really confusing. Right now, we've got Joey Bart as sort of the main guy out there because he was a top prospect for the team. He was the number two pick for the Giants the same year Casey Mize was drafted number one overall, but he has not yet lived up to that potential and has just continued to struggle with strikeouts. So if that continues for even a few weeks to start the season, we could see Gary Sanchez getting the call. He has the ability to opt out by May 1st. So if that doesn't happen by next month, he may be off the team, but there's a clear role right there for him in San Francisco with Roberto Perez and Blake Sable as the only other players in his way. Another minor league deal that came through the wire was the Mariners signing Cesar Hernandez, a second baseman, to a minor league deal. The second base position in Seattle is pretty unsettled. Right now, you've got Colton Wong playing every day there, but he's a guy that could probably be platooned and has a history of injury issues. So we could 
could see Cesar Hernandez getting the call. The Mariners also picked up another guy that has the ability to play second base and the outfield, and that was Nick Solak, who they acquired in a trade with the Reds, which they gave up cash considerations in return. Cash considerations, one of the best players in the league. Sad to see him go, but Nick Solak is a guy that has teased his potential in the past, whether that be in the minor leagues with the Rays a few years ago or in his major league debut with the Rangers. He's got a bit of power. He's not a great fielder. I think he could be interesting in a great ballpark, which the Mariners do not have, unfortunately. In other news, the Yankees purchased the contract of relief pitcher Colton Brewer. They had previously traded for him from the Rays, so that should be an interesting addition there. The Yankees have done a really good job at turning random relievers into great arms out of their bullpen. I wonder if Colton Brewer can be another one of those success stories. The Braves felt a severe lack of people that look like Dansby Swanson after Swanson left in free agency, so they signed Charlie Culberson to a minor league deal. He was previously a member of the team twinning with Dansby Swanson. They felt it was okay to let him go to the Rangers for a couple of years because they still had Dansby around to fill that hole of having a, a good-looking middle infielder, but with Dansby gone, they had to bring Charlie Culberson back. The final bit of news we'll cover is the Diamondbacks acquiring lefty Anthony Misevich from the St. Louis Cardinals in a trade. Diamondbacks have a pretty loaded bullpen, so I'm not sure where he fits, but with Mark Melanson out for a long time to start the season, there's a shot Misevich could have a role in this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. Now we will head over and look at the notable performances from around the league, starting with the hitters that had the best days at the plate on Friday. We'll begin it off with Jorge Soler, who helped out the Marlins in a win against the Mets, going two for four with a run, a home run, and an RBI. That home run went 407 feet, which was the third longest fly ball distance on the day. It'll be interesting to see if Soler can get back to the form that he has showed in the past. He's batted fifth in each of the Marlins' first two games, but it was a rough year for him in Miami last year as he posted just a 98 WRC+. plus. But don't be surprised if he has a return to form because he hit 48 home runs in 2019. Don't forget. Outside of that, in Miami, Jazz Chisholm also hit a home run for the Marlins, one that went 411 feet at a 111.6 mile per hour exit velocity. That was the second highest exit velocity on the day and the second highest fly ball distance on the day. Just a, an absolute blast from Jazz. Otherwise, Garrett Cooper also went three for four with a triple, really showing off his hit tool. On the other side, Starling Marte for the Mets on the losing end went two for four with a steal. He also made a huge defensive gaffe in right field that was somehow not ruled in error. It was a pretty easy fly ball. I feel pretty confident that I'd be able to catch it. It even hit his glove and he didn't get an error on that one, but it didn't cost the team any runs. So I guess it doesn't really matter, but it was, it was not a pretty play on the offensive end though. He has batted second in each of the Mets first two games. So he does have a pretty solid spot in that order. And while he didn't replicate the steals from 2021, his bat was equally as good, if not better in 2022. He had a 136 WRC plus versus a 134 in 2021. So he could still have a great season, even at the age of 34 in 2023. The Mets also saw a home run from the polar bear Pete Alonso. It was a big one. We'll get into that later. In the Houston Astros game, David Hensley made his season debut in a win versus the White Sox. He went two for three with an RBI, a walk, and a steal. He is actually, interestingly enough, the tallest second baseman in Major League history at six foot six. You rarely see players of that size play the middle infield, so it'll be interesting to see if Hensley can hold up as a middle infielder for the rest of his career, but for right now, he seems perfectly fine. He could see an extended look with the lineup currently in flux, missing both Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve, so Hensley is a guy to watch out for, especially after he had so much success in 
AAA last year. He batted 298 with 10 homers, 20 steals, and a 17.2% walk rate, which was good for a 130 WRC plus. So he's definitely a guy with great plate discipline and could be a huge value in points leagues that really value OBP or any OBP centric roto leagues or categories leagues. Definitely an interesting guy, especially with a lineup that's so deep and brings so much positivity to whatever batter is in it. The Astros also saw Kyle Tucker hit a home run, steal a base, and make a great defensive play against the wall in right field. His home run went 437 feet, which was the furthest fly ball distance on the day. On the other side, Eloy Jimenez had a big day going two for four with two doubles, a run, and two RBIs despite the losing effort. Those doubles both were crushed off the bat, one coming off the bat at 108.9 miles per hour and the other coming off the bat at 106 miles per hour. And impressively, both of them were off Houston ace Christian Javier. He has batted fourth in each of the White Sox first two games, so he does have a clear solidified spot in the middle of that order. And as long as he can stay healthy, he'll be a huge producer out there playing a guy that can bat nearly 300 and hit 30 plus home runs is difficult to find. And Aloy is one of those guys. In San Diego, Haseon Kim had a huge day facing the Rockies despite the team's loss. He went three for three with two doubles and a run. And he should be the everyday second baseman throughout the year, though he has yet to reach the full potential that he teased in Korea. This is a guy that has 20-20 potential and is in the middle of a deep lineup. If he can sort of take a next step forward this year, it could be huge for fantasy managers that took the chance on him because we saw just how amazing he was when he was in Korea and how amazing he was during the WBC. So I'm excited to see Ha Seong Kim have a great full season. On the other side, Charlie Blackman helped his team to the win going two for four with two runs, a home run and two RBI. His home run went 389 feet, which was the fifth furthest fly ball distance on the day. He's batted third in each of the Rockies first two games. So he's clearly trusted there to be in the middle of the lineup. And at 36, he might not be done yet. And keep in mind that this game occurred in San Diego. So it wasn't even in course. It was not a product of playing in Colorado. So this is a guy that could still have something left in that bat. Keep an eye on him. In Los Angeles, Miguel Vargas had a very interesting game versus the Diamondbacks in a loss. He went one for one, not great, but he made that one hit count with a double that came off the bat at 105.2 miles per hour. And he also walked three times displaying the discipline that made him a enticing and coveted player in drafts this year. In the minors, he also showed that same sort of discipline, batting 304 with 17 home runs, 16 steals, and a 13.7 to 14.6% walk to strikeout ratio. Good for a 129 WRC plus at AAA. Just great numbers uh, across the board. I think this is a guy that's great in points leagues where you get negative points for strikeouts. This is a guy that I targeted specifically because of that. And batting seventh and playing second base every day in a deep Dodgers lineup is a pretty good place to be. And this could be a very successful rookie debut for Miguel Vargas. On the other end, Kyle Lewis came through in the clutch with a pinch hit go ahead two run home run in the eighth off of Alex Vesia. There's not a lot of room in the Arizona outfield right now. There's not guaranteed playing time for Kyle Lewis. There's so many outfielders there and DH is sort of solidified with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Kyle Lewis also has a history of injuries, but don't forget this was the 2020 Rookie of the Year award winner. So he definitely still has a lot of potential in his bat as long as he can stay healthy. I could see him getting some more playing time at DH as long as he keeps coming through in the clutch like he did on Friday. Lastly, we'll close it out with Stephen Kwan going off in Seattle in a win 
versus the Mariners. He went two for four with a double, a walk, and five RBIs. He had just 52 RBIs last year despite scoring 89 runs. He's the everyday leadoff man for the Guardians, so we likely won't see too many performances in which he racks up this many RBI, but it's pretty crazy to see that from a guy that doesn't produce a lot of power and bats leadoff every day. I'm excited to see what he can do, especially in points leagues because he has such great plate discipline, but he should also surpass 20 steals this year with the new rule changes after stealing just 19 in 2022 but if you want to hear more about the batters from around the league check out the daily batters box article which will break down all of the hitting performances from around the league in terms of starters dustin may had a great game against the arizona diamondbacks going seven innings allowing just three hits with no earned one walk and four strikeouts he racked up eight whiffs and a 24 percent csw across 84 pitches it was great to see him succeed after dealing with so many injuries across the past few seasons but this performance performance was pretty incredible. He went 43% fastballs, but he also had a 42% CSW on his curveball, which looked really great. He had four of the top five pitch velocities on the day with that fastball, topping out at 100.2 miles per hour with the four seamer to lead the league on the day. I'm still concerned about whether he's the 2021 version of Dustin May that struck out a ton of batters, or if he's the pre-2021 version who was more of a ground ball pitcher and was more of like an 8K per nine guy. This performance suggests the latter because he struck out just four but he should still be a successful pitcher either way it's just in terms of the ceiling what he can reach with his strikeout potential he does get the Diamondbacks again in his next start so it should be another successful start when we see May on the mound next Kyle Freeland had a great day against the Padres though I'm not sure how sustainable it is he went six innings allowing just three hits no earned runs one walk and one strikeout one strikeout just one he also only had two whiffs on the day in a 23 percent CSW that is clearly not sustainable you need to have more swinging strikes if you want to have success I think he was just carrying over the magic from the WPC in which Team USA went all the way to the championship and I would not start him in his next start despite how appealing it looks against the Nationals it is in cores and I would not trust that one bit Christian Javier had an weird performance versus the Chicago White Sox he went just five innings allowing a whopping eight hits and three earned runs with one walk and six strikeouts but he earned the golden goal with 19 whiffs which gave him the gallows pole and with a 37% CSW that gave him the King Cole. He racked up 10 whiffs on just his amazing four-seam fastball alone and he clearly deserved better. This was a performance where he was throwing amazing stuff, getting a lot of whiffs, getting a lot of called strikes, but things just didn't go his way. He definitely got babbipped a little. If anyone in your league is doubting him as the wide awake sleeper he was in draft season, you better just give up the farm to go get him. He's got a great matchup in his next performance as well, and that might be the one that solidifies everyone's opinion on him. He faces the Tigers when he next takes the mound. The final starting pitching performance we'll take a look at is Robbie Ray in Cleveland as he got roughed up going just three and a third, allowing four hits, three earned five walks, and three strikeouts. He had 10 whiffs and just a 19% CSW as he really struggled to throw strikes. He had multiple four-pitch walks. I was really disappointed to see that as he is on my home league fantasy team but you have to believe that he will be able to turn it around in his next start against the Angels because what made him good in the past two years was trusting his stuff in the zone and that's not what he did so it should be an easy fix of just getting his pitches back in the zone he went almost strictly fastball slider in this one so he may need to bring back the sinker which is what he did in the second half last year to help him throw strikes but this will be a development to keep an eye on make sure to check out Nick's daily starting pitching roundup to get analysis on the rest of the starting pitchers from around the league that pitched on 
on Friday. We'll now head over to the bullpen to see who was racking up the saves. We'll kick it off with AJ Puck versus the Mets. He allowed one run across one inning, but struck out two to earn his first save. The one home run came off a home run from Pete Alonso, but he looked dominant otherwise, recording three whiffs on just four forcing fastballs. Very solid. He does seem to be the preferred option in this bullpen for saves after Dylan Floro pitched the eighth and Tanner Scott pitched with a deficit on opening day. So I would definitely go swoop up Puck if he's still out there on your wire. Elsewhere, Rafael Montero racked up a save versus the White Sox with a scoreless inning and one strikeout. And it seems as though this was just the Astros using him to close out a game after a shaky blown save from Ryan Presley on opening day. I wouldn't read into it too much, but if it does continue, if Presley does continue to struggle, Montero is clearly the first man up. In San Diego, Pierce Johnson on the other side, pitching for the Rockies, had a scoreless inning with two strikeouts and recorded his first save of the season. This was the first save in the absence of Daniel Bard, who is on the IL dealing with anxiety. And it looks like Pierce is the preferred closer in Colorado for the time being. He went 75% curveballs, which is a great way to have success using your best pitch. He earned a one-year $5 million contract this offseason. So it does seem like the Rockies have a little bit of faith in him. Whether that's warranted, it's yet to be seen. But Brad Hand pitched the eighth. So I think Pierce Johnson is the clear guy going forward here. Otherwise, Andrew Chafin pitched for the Diamondbacks in the ninth versus the Dodgers. He pitched a perfect ninth inning to record his first save. It was after Scott McGuff came in with two outs in the eighth. He locked down the eighth, but then walked the first batter in the ninth and then gave up the ball to Chafin, who was called upon to face Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, and Max Muncy. Two of those batters are lefties, so this could just be a case of the manager playing the matchups. This looks to be a committee, and I'm pretty sure McGuff should get more opportunities going forward. As much as his splitter looked amazing. He did not throw enough strikes, so there is a little bit of concern regarding McGuff right now, but Chafin seems to be the guy if there's going to be a lot of lefties in the ninth inning. On the opposite side, Evan Phillips was used to get one out in a deficit. Does this mean he's the high leverage reliever? We'll have to wait to find out. Finally, to close things out, Manuel Classe pitched against the Mariners, going one perfect inning and striking out two. He pitched with a five-run lead, which I guess they were just trying to get him some work, but he looked as dominant as ever, posting the fourth fastest velocity on the day with a cutter at 99 Point four miles per hour. Make sure to check out the Daily Reliever Ranks article to get bullpen news from around the league. Before we look forward to tomorrow, we're going to take a quick break. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. 
And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Now we'll send it over to the wonderful Mark Paquette with the weather. Thanks, Jake. Well, as we get back into the meat of the schedule, we're going to have some issues today weather-wise, mainly in the northeast part of the country where the Yankees are hosting the Giants, the Red Sox host the Orioles, and the Nationals host the Braves. We're going to see some showery weather here. Now, none of these games are complete washouts, so they may be able to get these in, but I'm not going to be shocked by a delay or a postponement in any of these. The most likely is probably New York and Boston. Those are where it looks like the weather's going to be the toughest. D.C., it's just going to be windy and some rain sweeps through and this could be some leftover showers. Excuse me. Another place that we're going to watch for some interesting weather is going to be Wrigley Field where the Cubs host the Brewers. It's going to be windy. It's going to be cold. It's going to be a classic early spring baseball game at Wrigley Field. But there's not going to be any rain around, so they should be able to play. And that's about it. So back to you. Thanks, Mark. Now we'll look forward to Saturday, April 1st. Don't forget to play an April Fool's joke on everybody. Tomorrow, there are actually no games. April Fools. All right, got that out of the way. We'll start with uh, the probable starters for the day. I'll begin it by naming my matchup of the day, which is Zach Wheeler versus Nathan Eovaldi. That should be a fun matchup as they're both guys that feature a lot of pitches and a big fastball. So definitely worth the watch there. There are tons of auto starts on Saturday, including Wheeler. We have 10 auto starts. We've got Spencer Strider at the Washington Nationals, Brandon Woodruff at the Cubs, and Kevin Gaussman at the Cardinals as the top three options for the day but definitely make sure to check out nick's daily streamer article to see who is the best streaming options for you in your league in the probably start tier there are five guys that have gotten the recognition as guys that you should probably be starting in your league and that's where we can find our streamer of the day zach eflin of the rays is taking on the detroit tigers and that's a pretty appealing matchup because the rays gave him the largest contract in franchise history for a reason and the tigers are not a good lineup so that could really pay massive dividends for people looking to stream I'd also keep an eye out for Michael Waka facing the Rockies outside of Coors and Shintaro Fujinami making his major league debut versus the Los Angeles Angels. He has crazy stuff that he debuted in spring training, so I'm excited to see what he can do and if he is actually fantasy viable. On the offensive end, I have a few hitter suggestions. My first one is Padres hitters taking on Jose Urania in San Diego. David Dahl is a whopping 6 for 9 in his career against Urania. Nelson Cruz is 4 for 8 with 2 dingers and Matt Carpenter is four for five. So there's definitely some options of guys that are available in your leagues. Outside of that, I think Cincinnati hitters versus Rich Hill and Great American Ballpark is probably a pretty good group to target. There aren't too many righties there, but there is one, Will Myers. He's rostered in about 20% of leagues in ESPN. So he could be available in your league and he is great against lefties, posting a 130 WRC plus versus lefties and just an 89 WRC plus versus righties in 2022. That's a 119 versus 106 for his career. So he's 
He's definitely a lefty killer playing in a great ballpark. In terms of relievers, I do have a few questions. The first one is, will the A's turn to Danny Jimenez again, or is Trevor May going to be the guy that gets the save if the A's have an opportunity today? It might be worthwhile to grab Jimenez while you still can because he did get the save on opening day. The other question I got is, Yohan Duran, the closer or the high leverage reliever in Minnesota? It'll be interesting to see if they use him against the middle of the lineup or if he's once again used as a classic reliever pitching the ninth. The last question I have is Pete Fairbanks. Is he going to be the clear-cut closer or is he going to be used as the high leverage guy? I'm really excited to see him pitch again and I really hope he does get to pitch on Saturday. Well, that will do it for today's episode of the First Pitch Podcast. Make sure to head on over to pitcherlist.com to check out all the great articles and features we have on the site, including amazing player pages and daily DFS suggestions. Join PL Pro to gain access to the Discord and to interact with PitcherList staff and members of the community, as well as to utilize the in-season tools to help you win your leagues. That'll do it for this episode of the First Pitch Podcast. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. Tune in tomorrow and every day for a new installment of the podcast and make sure to enjoy the day as we are blessed with another day of baseball. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.